0: Micah 3, this is God's holy and inspired, infallible word given by the Holy Spirit to the prophet Micah. Let's stand as we give honor to God as we read a portion from Micah. Micah 3, verses 5 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, When they have something to bite with their teeth, they cry peace. But because him who puts nothing in their mouths, they declare holy war. Therefore, it will be night for you without vision and darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets and the day will become dark over them. The seers will be ashamed, and the diviners will be embarrassed. Indeed, they will all cover their mouths, because there is no answer from God. On the other hand, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellious act, even to Israel his sin. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we ask that you bless this your word and help us, we pray, to have your Spirit upon us and to indwell us and to give us a boldness, a courage, to not fear the faces of men, but to fear you above all. Give us courage by the Holy Spirit and a willingness and a desire to speak the truth in love. To others, for we ask these things. In the name of Jesus our Lord, amen. Please be seated. When you go to church, there's a few things you should want. You should want to have communion with the saints, fellowship, encouragement, stimulating one another, stirring up one another in love. Um, But you should also want to hear from God. Um the chapter one of the second Helvetic Confession has these words here, it's written there in your outline. Wherefore, when this word of God is now preached in the church by preachers lawfully called, we believe that the very word of God is proclaimed and received by the faithful. Um, this line of thinking is similar to uh, uh, the line of thinking of William Perkins when he wrote this book entitled "The Art of Prophesying." Now you might say to yourself, "Oh well, that book was written in um, in the 1500s, so wouldn't, didn't he believe in that prophecy was had ceased by that time?" Uh, actually, he he interprets modern preaching as having a prophetic element. You could say. Uh, God speaks to us through His Word preached. Um, you might you might hear people in the congregation, and some people even go up to a preacher afterwards and say, "Were you speaking? Were you, were you talking to me about something when you when you preached such and such and whatever? And my answer, if, if I if I get approached by something, someone says like that, if it is true that I'm not thinking of them, I would say, "Well, maybe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you that." This is something that you need to address in your life. And I think that's correct. God speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through His Word when we read it. Uh, The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, The Spirit of God maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word of God, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners, and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith, unto salvation. Now the big problem is is that when you come to church and you want to hear and commune with God, what do you do when you go to church and instead of being stimulated by receiving God's holy word by being uh, what's the words we just read built up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation instead of having that, you're led astray because there's false prophets or false preachers instead. The Holy Spirit was given to Micah to preach a message of judgment. He preached a message of judgment against Israel and Judah because of their wickedness and sin, and he told them of their coming uh, judgment, but he also preached against the rulers. Earlier in this chapter, in chapter 3, he he preached against the heads of, of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel. And he rebuked wicked rulers. Now he's rebuking false prophets in today's text. God has warned, uh, in this passage, the main focus is that God has warned as a warning against false prophets. And um, we'll see this in two main points. God's judgment upon false prophets and God's empowering spirit upon Micah. So let's look at this first main point. God's judgment upon false prophets. God promised judgment based upon um, how they led God's people astray. Let's look at verse 5 again of chapter 3. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they cry, peace. But against him who puts nothing in their mouth, they declare holy war. You might find this sort of strange. They're giving a message of peace when someone gives them something. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. Should a prophet or a preacher preach a different message based whether or not someone gives them food or drink or gift or money? No. Um, in, in this situation, if someone gave them something to chew on, they would say, peace, peace. But if they didn't feed them, they declared war against them. Now, this, uh, this reminds me of uh, like a vending machine or maybe a game... Uh, if, you, if you ever watch that movie, Big, um, 19, I think it was 1988, with uh, Tom Hanks, uh, the, a little boy, he goes and he, he puts a coin into this little machine and, and there's this weird looking, it looks like a gypsy kind of made out of bronze or metal with paint on him. And he kind of, the mouth goes up and down and says, make a wish. And you throw, a, you put a coin in it. And depending whether you put the coin in it, you might get something out of it. It's, this is, it's, it's, it's strange. These prophets, if you gave them something, you, you gave them something to eat, you gave them some money, they would give you a, a nice prophecy. But if you didn't, you didn't get anything. Maybe They actually wanted to hurt you. It, it's, it's preposterous. It's, it's sort of like the practice of giving prophecy based on a bribe. You give me some money, I'm going to say something nice on behalf of God for you. God was not pleased with this. The ultimate prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, the final prophet, um, or that that ultimate prophet, not necessarily final prophet, but the ultimate prophet that was promised to Moses, the one that men would have to listen to, he said this in John 12, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Now, modern preachers cannot use these exact words because, but where God's not our Father in the same sense that Jesus was the son of uh, God in that respect, but you can have some carryover here. A preacher does not speak on his own initiative. He's only to speak that which is in agreement with the holy word of God, what God instructs him to speak from his word. Now, Micah was called to preach a message of judgment and Condemnation of of the sin of Israel and Judah and of this coming judgment. Yet they were speaking something totally opposite. They were speaking peace, peace when money was given to them, when food was given to them, because that's what their benefactors wanted to hear. So in verses six through seven, we read of how God will judge these false prophets. Look at let's look at verses six through seven. Therefore. It will be night for you without vision and darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets and the day will become dark over them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners will be embarrassed. Indeed, they will all cover their mouths because there is no answer from God. There's a modern honor, you could say, to being a preacher of the Word of God. Because it's, at least in the sight of God's people, it's esteemed. But for those, especially in the day of Micah, when they dishonored God by preaching a false message, God brought, instead of honor, He brought them shame and embarrassment before God because they led God's people astray. Now, the, the New Testament does still talk about God judging churches on behalf of false teaching and false practices. And instead of just bringing them shame, he brings them to close their doors. And in, in Revelation two, uh, 2 and following one of the judgments, is that God takes away their candlestick? The light of the gospel is in this community because of unfaithfulness. God basically brings them darkness. He takes away the candlestick. So there's a darkness and absence of the gospel in that community because of compromise and sin. So you have this unfaithful example of prophet. But we have a faithful example in Micah. Let's look at the second main point. God's empowering spirit upon Micah. His empowering spirit upon Micah. So you have this huge contrast between Micah and the false compromising prophets who would be judged without vision and without divination because for them there would be no answer from God when they pray for a message to speak. But on Micah's Micah's behalf, his prophetic ministry is marked by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit resting upon him. Look at verse 8. On the other hand, compared to these false prophets, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellious act, even... To Israel, his sin. I don't know if there are many statements in the Old Testament of a bolder claim of a prophet. Listen to these words again Micah says, Unlike the false prophets, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord. Think about it. What if a preacher got up there and said, I'm going to give you a message? I'm filled with power and the Spirit of the Lord. You'd be like, man, this guy's kind of arrogant. Wow, look at that. But, I mean, in the case of Micah, it it, it was true. And, you know, to a degree, when the gospel is working in a person's heart and mind, and he's enabling him to speak and preach in a way that's consistent with the Word of God, there is an enabling by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord is with someone to be able to do that. For the case of Micah, the Holy Spirit instructed him what to say. Um, The test of a prophet is always this, whether or not the prophecy comes to pass. Um, If you um, notice and you go back uh, and you look at what Micah is prophesying, he prophesied of the judgment upon Israel. He judged, I mean, he prophesied upon the coming judgment upon Judah. Both happened. God did judge both the northern and the southern kingdoms, as he foretold. Later on, Micah is going to tell that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Did that come to pass? Yes, it did. So the Holy Spirit testified that Micah was, or you could say history, history. History testified that Micah was a true prophet filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Now notice the Spirit gave Micah a supernatural justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellious act, even to Israel his sin, in verse 8. If you're going to preach and you're going to prophesy to a rebellious, sinful people, you're in for a dangerous task. And it requires courage. Um, what happened to a lot of the prophets was that many of them were murdered. Um, multiple sources say that Isaiah was murdered by the hand of King Manasseh of Judah. Um, this is from 2 Kings twenty-one, sixteen. It talks about Manasseh, King Manasseh, who shed very much innocent blood until he filled, until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides his sin, which he made Judah to sin, in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So other sources say that among that murdering, the murdering spree that he has here, one of the people that he murdered was um, Isaiah. And he was, some tradition says he was sawn in half with a wooden saw. Saw that was, I guess, a very hard wood with wooden teeth. Um, According to the early church father, Tertullian, the Jews stoned Jeremiah to death in Egypt. What was his crime? It was telling the truth that they did not want to hear. In other words, he gave a message, like Micah told the people of their rebellious acts and of coming judgment, and they didn't want to hear the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. In the New Testament, you can say a modern prophet of sorts was stoned to death in Stephen. Let's look at Acts 7. Keep your place there, but we'll we'll turn to Acts chapter 7. I will not read the entire sermon of Stephen, but I will read just the last portion here. Um, verse, starting at verse 51. I think this is the part that really got them angry when they, when they began to pick up stones to stone him. Acts seven fifty-one. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You receive the law as ordained by angels, yet did not keep it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, And they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the name of the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. It's not just prophets. It's not just elders and deacons. It's every one of us needs the Holy Spirit to give us courage. Why do we need courage? Because our tendency is to fear the faces of men. But like what was told to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he was not to fear the faces of men in Jeremiah 1.8 when he began his ministry. God gave him courage to face even those who sought to destroy him and eventually did destroy him and stoned him actually to death. Stephen, given boldness and courage to face those who gnashed their teeth at him, spoke the truth from God's word unto them and was stoned to death as well. Jesus says we're not to fear man who can destroy the body but fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell forever. You're not going to have such courage unless you have an absolute steadfast assurance of salvation. What do I mean by that? If you're wondering that if I die, where am I going to go? You're not going to have courage. But if you're assured that, yes, even though I'm sinful, yes, even though there would be things in my life I would love to change, I know that I am forgiven of my sins. I know that Jesus Christ has paid for all of my sins and that by faith Jesus Christ has imputed his righteousness unto me, his righteousness unto me. Yes, even though man takes my life, I know that I'm going to be able to say like Stephen that I, my spirit is committed unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That when I pass from this life, I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to dwell in heaven in glory forever. Now Stephen knew this. The prophets who faced death knew this. The martyrs of old all knew this. They had a courage to not fear the faces of men. And I, we should pray, like Micah, that God's Holy Spirit would fill us, would enable us to give us power, power, To speak and to witness and to tell others of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all honesty, what's going to happen here in central Louisiana is if you talk to to others and they don't like what you have to say, they're going to probably just turn around and go the other direction or they might say something insulting. But no one's going to go and burn your house down and no one's going to string you up and, and torture you to death or stone you. But at the same time, we have to not fear the faces of men. And remember that God's holy spirit is a one that gives you courage let's pray together oh father we thank you that your holy spirit rested upon micah that you filled him with power that you filled him with your spirit that you gave him courage and the and the willingness to exercise justice and to make known to jacob his rebellious Acts, even Israel's sins. Help us, we pray, to be in a like fashion, to be able to talk to others, and to make known that God, that you, O God, will judge sin, but that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only one that will spare them from the eternal wrath to come. We thank you that you have given us the words of eternal life and we pray that you would help us to speak to others about this eternal and glorious and steadfast hope that we have through Jesus our Lord. For we ask all these things in his name. Amen. For our closing hymn, I want us to stand and turn to 501. Lord, speak to me that I may speak. Let's stand in scene 501.